Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our college pastor, Jonathan DeJesus. How's everybody doing? I don't know if y'all did better than the first, but maybe you gave up on those communion cups, but the first was still struggling by the time I got up here. Uh, It took me the last song to literally open the whole thing. I was like, oh gosh, okay, here we go. Um, Hey, before I get started, I'm going to pray for us, so join me in praying. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for this time that we get to come before you get to learn from your word. I ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to what you have to say, not what I have to say. I ask that you would humble me. I'm just a vessel. Lord, speak through me. Speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, anyone here like music? Enjoy music? Love music? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. The band's like, yeah, we do. Um, that's good. Um, but hey, I, I, there's a line from a man named uh, Lenny Kravitz, uh, and he says, we got to let love rule. One of the greatest lines in scripture is God is love, and if Lenny is right and God is love, then we must let God rule. Amen. This passage on God is love is one of the weightiest and most precious truths For us, imaginable for the follower of Jesus, God is love like the ocean is wet, like the sun is hot. Love is essential. Love is definitional of God. His goodness is loving. His holiness is loving. His judgments are loving. His affection, motion, purpose, and persons are loving. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit abide together in this holy trinity purely and forever in love. How sweet is that? That our God, who designed the world, the comets, the acorns, the God who sustains our souls and our body, who knows every single one of our days before each comes to its end, He is love. I want to slow down because we got to understand this from a biblical perspective. You see, what I'm saying and what the Bible is saying is that, um, what the Bible is not saying, excuse me, is that there isn't something out there called love that God measures up to. There is no dictionary definition of love hovering outside somewhere in the universe independent from God so that God answers to it. Rather... God in himself provides the definition, the reality of what love is. Love is not an abstract concept, but a personal quality of God. It's super important that we understand this, because God's own character gives us the definition and standards of love. See, the dictionary writers should observe God and then write their definition of love not the other way around. You see, if there is something, if there is a definition that is outside of God and it says that it's love, the reality is that it's not love because God is absent from it. 
And this is why our passage today is so vitally important, because we're going to talk about this idea of genuine love. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans 12, and we will finish the chapter 9 through 21. And if you don't have a Bible, it'll be right on the screen. That was perfect cue. So let me read. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap up burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is the word of the Lord. Paul starts off this uh, ending of his chapter in, in verse 9 by saying, let love be genuine. You see, for us to understand the rest of this chapter and closing chapter 12, Adam opened it up with this idea of renewing our mind, and then he went on and said that God gives us the grace and the gifts for us to be united, and we close off with saying, ultimately, what does it look like to be living this out, this following Jesus thing? How do we live this out? You see, for us to understand it, this one little line that says, let love be genuine is vitally important for us to understand this chapter, this letter, but this book as a whole, the Bible. So I got a question. What does it mean that we should let love be genuine, or better put, how do we understand love in its genuine form? The word Paul uses for genuine is anuporchristos. Can y'all say that two times fast? Which literally, good try. Which means to be sincere, without hypocrisy, of good character, lacking pretense and prideful show. So, in other words, let love be authentic. Let it be real and raw. Let it be straight from the source. Let it be so straight from the source that it is purely concentrate. No sugar, no additives, no nothing. Let it come straight from God itself. My sermon in a sentence is this. Genuine love is rooted in God, displayed in and through Christ Jesus, and available for us to embody daily. Paul wants the church in Rome, as well as us here today, to understand that God's love is not passive. He's not sitting back saying, well, maybe they'll come to me and I'll show them my love. No, God's love is active. God's love is constantly pursuing his people. He is, being, he is pouring out his love to his son and to us. God's love, the word that Paul uses for love there is agape, which is an active type of love, not passive. It's not this, oh, good, goody, good feeling type of love, but rather it's one that no matter how I feel, it is constantly pursuing you and me. 
Paul wants us to know that God is actively after us to shower us with his love and that we are to have the same love for him, his people, and even our enemies. So my first takeaway is simple. Genuine love is a verb. Many of you don't know this, but English is my second language. So grammar is not very good. But I do know this. That when it says verb, it doesn't mean that it's just sitting back and just enjoying the daylight and sunlight. It means that it's actually moving. It's doing something. So genuine love, for us to understand this, is to first and foremost understand that you and I are vessels of love. Right? So if I can illustrate this better, y'all know what an uh, oil lamp is? Yes? All right, for some of you that don't, it's this little thing where there's a wick and there's oil, you light it, and that's what actually you used to kind of uh, look around in your house. Don't believe me, ask your parents, they're old enough to know. Just kidding, just kidding. But the reality is that this idea of a lamp is a vessel. And for the light to shine, it needs what? Oil. And if you and I are vessels of love, we need to be filled by who? God, because God is the truest form of love. He is ultimately love himself, and that is the truest source. So if our light to shine is ultimately going to be filled by God, some of us are walking around in dark worlds because we're not filled with God. We're filled with other things. See, to understand this concept of this little lamb, there's something that us as followers of Jesus need to fill ourselves up with daily. And it, yes, it is God, but there's some practical things that we can do. I call them uh, spiritual rhythms. Others call them spiritual disciplines. And, and some traditional um, brothers and sisters of ours call them contemplative rhythms. First and foremost, our lamp needs to be filled with prayer. We need to be in prayer constantly. The second thing is we need to rest. This thing called Sabbath. Allow us to rest with God. The next thing is we, we need to read Scripture slowly. Many of us want to read through it and kind of check off a box, but that's really not helping us out. Another thing is we were created for community, and we need to be committed to it. Another one is one of my favorite, which a lot of people don't know. It's called fasting. And I'm not talking about fasting from your cell phones. Actual food. It's to say, God, I don't need this, but rather your word is going to sustain me. And you see, these ideas are, are, are just practice, practices of us walking in with Christ. It is a spiritual discipline. Now, we know that love is a verb because all of Scripture teaches us this. Love is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love is John 13, 34. That you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Love is John 13, 1. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Love is John 16, 27. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me. Love is Galatians 2, 20. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Love is Ephesians 5, 2, that we walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. 
I mean, you could read scripture. It is not passive by any means. The great Mother Teresa said, loving, loving must be as normal to us as living and breathing day after day until we die. See, we as humans must learn that we are to live as vessels of love as Christ himself did. Jesus understood the importance of being human, how important it was to show and leave behind for us to follow an example and what it looks like to be human who embody the lifestyle of genuine love. I've entitled this message, The Art of Being Human. Now, like any good artist will tell you, before they were good at their craft or practice, or, or, or excuse me, art, they had to practice. For us as humans, it's to understand how we were created in the image of God and how we are called to live as he lived, ultimately to look at Jesus and say, how does he live his life and begin to live my life that way? It means that every single day I must sacrifice my flesh and pick up my cross and say, I'm going to follow you instead of my desires. It means that I say no to the things of this world and say yes to him. It means that every day I have to do that. It's a practice. Jesus understood this the best and most perfect way that every day he lived his life like this. He woke up, he sacrificed his own will to the will of the Father. He set aside the things of, of the flesh and began to live his life perfectly for us to embody. But it is my responsibility to put it into practice. That I, this love that I have received is a gift and I do this I begin to practice in this by understanding that God has so graciously chosen you and me. Despite our frailties, despite our weaknesses, God has chosen broken men and women to do amazing things through the work of his spirit in this broken world. You see, you and I are called uh, uh, to work for Christ with humble hearts. We should embody the humility that Christ has left as an example for us. He chose us to show the world what love and compassion looks like, despite our brokenness. All of this, however, is going to take time and practice. It means day in and day out, I'm going to have to pursue God and, and, and allow him to renew my mind and so become more and more like Jesus and display that to the world. Fill my lamp with more of him. I've got four quick little subpoints to this one big point. The first one is before the world can understand how much God loves them, we, you and I, must be the first convinced of that love, that he loves us. See, many of us grew up in a time where we thought God was this angry old man on a, on a throne ready to, to, to kind of unleash his wrath on us. Anyone here remember being a child and uh, using a magnifying glass to, to, to kind of burn ants? No, just me? Okay. I got a couple people. Thank y'all for being honest. That's not God. That's not God. You see, God is more like the father who is sitting on the porch waiting for his son to return so that he can shower him with forgiveness, so he can shower him with redemption, so that he can redeem the brokenness in that young man. Don't believe me? Go read the prodigal son story and read it over and over and over until it becomes reality. So you see God in a different light. 
That he's not going to smack you up and down because you messed up, but rather he's going to say, it's okay, let's pick ourselves back up and let's keep going. Number two, love must first start in your home before it goes out to your neighbor. You see, we are called to show the same love to our spouses as Christ loved the church. Now, maybe I'm just a little kind of high on love because I did two weddings two days ago. But the reality is that that is our responsibility. Husbands in this room, please take heed to what I have to say to you. Husbands, you are called to love your wives like Christ loves the church. Men, it's time to fight. It's time to fight for your wives. It's time to fight for your household because the world is going to do everything it possibly can to separate you from them. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Men, stop letting the world distract you with small, little, insignificant things. Turn to him. Keep your eyes focused on him and lead your brides back to the feet of the throne of grace. Wives, fight for your husbands. Fight. Love them the way church is called to love Christ And then both of you come together and understand what it means to be sacrificial, to love one another so much that you point each other to Jesus, and in so doing, point your kids to do the same. Love them the way Christ has loved you. He's shown you this real, free, authentic, raw kind of love. Men and women here who have kids, God has blessed you with them. It is your responsibility to disciple them, not the world. Stop letting YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, keep going down the list, instruct your kids. It is your responsibility to do that. God has equipped you with the task to be able to disciple them before the throne, to lead them. It is a great responsibility. It is your responsibility as much as it is mine to plant seeds of genuine love that will ultimately flourish into gardens of love that will go from your home into your neighborhoods. But it starts with you. My third, love that is genuine is going to hurt, but it will also come with great joy. Don't believe me? Look at the cross one of the most difficult moments in human history, that it was painful for for Christ to, to unjustly hang on a tree, but look at the joy that it has brought that you and I can sing, Hosanna, hallelujah. Salvation is mine because of the pain of Jesus Christ. I am free from the bondage of my sin because of the pain that he endured for me. Number four, true genuine love leads to service for others. For it is an overflow of our love for God that comes from within. Joy is the seed that is planted in our hearts when we experience the love of Christ. You see, when we grasp the weight of God's love for us, we can then align our hearts to what ultimately Paul finishes off and continues from verse 9 to 13. And this is what he says. He says, let love be genuine. When I am filled with the love of Christ, when I am filled with his genuine love, I abhor what is evil. I hold fast to what is good. I love one another with this brotherly affection that I have received from God. I outdo one another with showing honor. Do not, I'm not slothful in zeal, but rather I'm fervent in spirit. 
I serve the Lord. I rejoice with those who rejoice. I am patient during the hard times, during tribulation. I am constant in prayer, and I contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You see, love is a verb, but it means more than that. It means that I now have to live differently. And so my second point, my second takeaway is this. We do as Jesus did, not as the world does. We live and do as Jesus did. The art of being human is understanding how Christ lived his life. He stood out from everyone else because his focus was to live both here and now in the physical as well as intertwined in the spiritual with the Father and the Spirit. (coughs) Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Do not curse. Who better to tell us what it's like to, to, to be more and more than Christ himself? The Lord who was persecuted for our sake unjustly hung on a tree and received insults upon insults, and yet all he said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this is painful, because if we were in that shoes, we probably couldn't read the text because it wouldn't be appropriate for church this morning. Many of us get cut off on the highway, on the streets, and I won't even say what actually happens during that time, but you know, We lose our minds. And yet God calls us to live as vessels of love, to be like Jesus and not like the world. To do as he did, to bless. There are key features in Romans 12 that Paul wants to tell us. And they're simple. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. Do not repay evil with evil. Live at peace with one another. Trust that God is in control. Love your enemies and do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. All of this is displayed in how Christ lived his life. He taught us how to live better lives. He taught us what it means to be truly human. See, Jesus was a radically ordinary man who God used to do extraordinary things. You and I, radically ordinary men. God is going to use to do extraordinary things if we submit to his will. If we hand over our lives to him and say, God, you do what you want to do. How do we start this? Well, I got one simple challenge. That we must become a people of radically ordinary hospitality. Real easy. See, when God's grace changes our status from rebel to redeem, we are empowered by his spirit to obey him. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind, and we are formed into his likeness. And joy, ultimately joy, helps us to obey even more because we love Jesus. So what is radically ordinary hospitality? Well, the purpose of radically ordinary hospitality is to build, focus, and deepen, and strengthen the family of God, pointing others to the Bible-believing local church and being earthly and spiritually good, filled with more of Jesus, more of God. So to put that in layman terms, simple terms, it means opening up your home to others to see how you deal with the mess inside. And how you disciple your kids. And how you show the light to your own kids. And how do you deal with sin in your own life? The world needs to see that. We've closed our doors and that's why they cannot see Jesus because we've blocked them off. 
put a wall and said, well, if you come here, then maybe. I got to trust you first. No, Jesus opened the door and said, here I am. I am the light. I am the salt of the earth. And so are you. So I want to end our time by kind of doing something a little different. Let me speak to the different generations in the room and in our building. And this may get a little emotional, so forgive me. But I want to start by saying, if you are in that 70 to 100-year-old range, I want to ask you to teach us to love. You see, you have lived long lives, and you have all learned so much in your time here, and you still have so much to give. We need you all to help us understand this love. You know, you are all libraries that we, the younger generation, need to ultimately check out some books and learn from your past experiences. Open your doors and say, please, come on in. If you are in that 45 to 60-year-old range, you are in the prime of your life. Yes, indeed, you are. You're in the prime of your life to help those around you understand that revenge is not something that should be taken. You know the pain that someone taking revenge on you or you taking revenge on them. You know the hurt that that has caused in your families. You know the hurt that it has caused in communities. Teach us, show us what it looks like to not take revenge. If you are in your 20s all the way up to 44-year-old, it is your responsibility to ask and learn from these other generations. To ask them to, to help you understand what it's like to love and to not take revenge. What it's like to pursue a godliness and holiness. Your experiences. Why? Because there are little kids looking up to us. Our families need you. If you're a teenager in the room, I ask that you seek out mentors. Mentors who will pour into you and love you and care for you and give you the tools you need to become more and more like Jesus. The world doesn't need more famous Instagram people. We've got enough. We need more people to look like Jesus. And for our little ones, We need these little ones to show us what it really means to love and have faith. Jesus, one of his greatest lines is, let the little ones come to me. If you want to enter heaven, you have to have faith like a child. These little ones need to teach us how to love and care and not worry about the rest of the world and say, no, I trust that my mom and dad got me. How about us? I trust that God's got me. Little ones teach us like my little one tells me all the time. When things seem to be going off, daddy's going to be okay. I'm here to tell you, it's going to be okay. We need one another to better understand this life because this life is too short. This life is too short not to love, not to be loved. This life is too short not to share the love of Jesus to the rest of the world. This life is too short not to care about one another. That we should be more like them. That we can learn from one another. Not be afraid 
to live our lives as God calls us to. If you would pray with me. Father, help us to understand the weight of this, that you call us to have this genuine love, which means that it must be filled with you because love outside of you is not love. God, we need you today. I ask that you help us to understand the weight of this text, that we should be renewed by the mind, that you have filled us with the grace and the gifts so that we can be united as one body, but we are called to live this out in genuine love, to show the world the light of Christ. So I pray all that in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.